It's time. It's not just the title that we're going with for this year. It's not just the title of this morning and next week and the week after and just get ready because basically for this calendar year, every Sunday, it's time for something. And the reason is because it's time. Have you, do any of you use the, the calendar on your phone for appointments and use the alerts on there? You can set it for a day before, an hour before, five minutes before, or at the time of the event, which seems to be a little late. Or if you're also using your GPS, you can sometimes set alerts there and you can set the alert for when it's time to leave. Some of y'all need to use that, by the way. But <laughs> the problem with that is things change. Weather condition, road conditions, traffic, etc. Coming back from our daughter and son-in-law and three granddaughters house over the Christmas break as we came back and were about to enter Illinois and getting off the Indiana toll road, it took 20 minutes to get through and pay the toll. I didn't factor that in. So really it was time to leave 20 minutes earlier than I realized. But when it comes to the time that God has for us, his timing is perfect. Ours rarely is. So we ought to listen to his. And a while back when I felt impressed that the Lord wanted us to focus on this, that it's time. It's time to make some changes. It's time to do some stuff. It's time to stop doing some stuff. And on and on it goes. I started just kind of creating this list. It's time to fill in the blank. My list is getting longer. This might be a two-year series. I don't know. Somebody just reacted to that. But this morning, I'm looking at one that might surprise you a little bit. The scripture we're using is in the New Testament in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. A, a familiar section if you've been in scripture or in church much. And that's about Lazarus being raised from the dead. But our focus is on the fact that it's time. Now, there were a lot of time indicators and time factors in this passage. And what I want us to look at this morning is that it's time to feel something. And then change something. The reason I say it might surprise you is that we tend to have, um, especially in the last um, several years in church, try to get away from the whole feeling thing, which is a mistake, by the way. If it's all feeling, it's wrong, but you can't worship without feeling. You can't love without some feeling. You can't follow Christ without some feeling. And I think we went way too far that way. It's time to feel it. And it's time to make some changes. Now, sometimes we change because we feel it. And sometimes we feel it because we make the change we ought to make. I mean, the old question, do you sing in the shower in the morning because you feel good? Or do you feel good because you sing in the shower? The answer is yes. Sometimes we need to act our way into the feeling. In other words, do it. 
And the feeling comes when we know it's the right thing to do. Take the next right step. And sometimes we feel it, are overcome with it. And then we know this is what I have to do. Well, this morning as we take a look at this, in John chapter 11, and Jesus had gotten word that his friend Lazarus had died. Mary and Martha were and their brother Lazarus were friends and they got word that, that he was really sick and could you come and took him a couple of days. And in fact, as it turns out, he was already gone by the time they asked him to come. And the sisters naturally were upset because, man, Jesus, if you'd have been here, you might have been able to save him. And we pick it up right there in verse 32 of John chapter 11. It says, and now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And he said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. For those of you that have trouble memorizing scripture, there you go. Jesus wept. It says he was deeply moved, then it says he wept, and then a little later it says once more, deeply moved. The Son of God, our Messiah and Savior, wept because of those who were hurting. Now, it's a little surprising somewhat to think that he wept because he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he wasn't weeping because Lazarus had died. He was weeping because of the pain that the others felt. He was weeping because many didn't understand. We weep and get angry at times. We weep and get angry over animals left out in the cold. But do we weep over lost souls? We're outraged over actions we believe have gone against the rights of someone. 
But are we upset at those who have never accepted Christ's forgiveness and salvation? We're upset when our kid or grandkid gets overlooked by a coach or a teacher. But are we upset by those who have been overlooked from hearing the gospel? Jesus wept. And then he acted. He felt. And then he moved to make a change. And I was working on this this week. Then I said, what am I doing what are we doing? What are you doing? It's time to feel it and make some changes. It's time to make some changes and feel it. It's time to allow ourselves to be changed and then change our church and our community and even our world. little challenge for you when you get home somewhere today tomorrow find a spot just with you and either imagine or actually get something and draw a circle around you around your feet and then pray for dramatic change for everybody inside that circle if you didn't figure that out, that means you. And keep praying it until you feel it. And when you begin to feel it, imagine drawing a bigger circle to include some others in that circle. That there would be a dramatic change in their heart and life. For you see, it's time to feel it. And it's time to change. We are emotional creatures. But we were also created to act, not just feel. We can make changes without feeling, but we'll likely give up at the first obstacle. Go to any gym in the area. January 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, they were packed. Go tomorrow. They're not packed. It's already worn off. If all we do is make changes mentally without feeling it in our spirit, we'll give up at the first obstacle. But if we feel it and make a change, if we make the change we know we should make, we'll begin to feel it and we're most likely then to persevere, to keep on keeping on. Now we cannot be controlled by our feelings alone, but we must feel it. It's time to feel it, to feel what God wants to do, to feel his presence, his love, and his grace, to feel the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our church. It's time to feel it and to change. 
to do that, number one, you need to look around you. See, when I, I see this passage and I look in verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. It bothered him to see that. There's a lot of things that I can endure without a lot of feeling when it happens to me. But if something happens to Jody or to one of my kids or one of my grandkids or one of my friends or one of you, like that didn't sound right. You're also my friends. Sorry about that. <laughs> then it really gets to me. With all the physical stuff that I've gone through, that's one thing. But when I watch somebody I care about hurting, that really gets to me. In fact, I, I was telling some of the stories this week when I first got in ministry. I was ready to get out for a reason you might not expect. It's because I kept fainting. Seriously. I would go to the hospital see somebody, and I was gone. Not an exaggeration. Jody can confirm some of these stories. You can hear her laughing now. It started even before I was in ministry. I was in high school dating a girl, and a friend of hers had been in a motorcycle accident, and she wanted to go visit him. So I thought, that's the time to score points. I said, let's go see your friend. We went to the hospital. I didn't score any points. <laughs> the problem was then and in my early years of ministry, especially my problem was I saw somebody laying in bed. I saw somebody with the bandages, the casts, etc. I saw the machines and I went, that has to hurt. That can't be good. What are they feeling? I imagine what the pen through that bone felt like. And I just put myself in their position and I was gone. The best one might have been one where I didn't quite go all the way down. I went to visit a man, father of someone in my church who had been in a bad accident. I mean, he was driving a, a small farm tractor and he got hit by a large truck carrying those huge rolls of wire. Got hit so hard it broke the tractor in half. He's in the hospital. Go to visit him and try to encourage him and his son and family and pray with them. But I was seeing all this stuff and imagining what he was going through. I realized I'm about to go down. But I thought, I can get out of here quick enough. And I just real quickly, in the middle of all the conversation, said, let's pray. So I started praying. And I started moving while I was praying. By the time I said amen, I was at the door and in the hallway. So much so that Jody was with me that time, standing beside me. She opened her eyes and I was gone. The family opened their eyes and I was gone. Left her to say something. I never did ask her what. 
And I stumbled down the hall because I was familiar with that hospital, knew there was a couch down here and a lounge. And I leaned against the door, the walls because I couldn't stand upright and everything was starting to go black. And I was going as fast as I could down the hall, leaning against the wall, made it to the couch and went down. The next thing I heard was laughter. You can hear it now from right over here. Coming down the hallway. She's looking in every open doorway. <laughs> Where did he land this time? So Lord and I had quite a conversation. I go, Lord, this cannot continue. Either this has to get better or I got to do something different because one of these times I'm going to go down and kill somebody. Wiping all the tubes and everything out. And the Lord helped and that's a whole nother story. But the problem was, I was feeling it so deeply this week. As I looked in the Word, as I prayed, I said, Lord, I don't want to faint anymore, but I want to feel it like that. Well, I, don't, I don't just mean somebody who's having physical pain. I mean the needs that are around us. I need to look better. Jesus looked around and saw it. We need to look around. Jesus saw. We need to see. The question is, are you seeing what Jesus sees? When you drive down the street on your way home today, are you seeing what Jesus sees? When you go to the store, are you seeing who and what he sees? We need to be looking around us for the needs that are there. Secondly, you need to let your heart be moved. Some of us have walled it off for whatever reason. Protecting, we've gotten hurt so much. Those things may be understandable, but they're not helping us. You need to let your heart be moved. Verse 33, Jesus saw them weeping, was deeply moved. Verse 35, because of it, he wept. And it's a different word. In verse 33 and 34, when it says he saw the people weeping, that's more of an open, loud wailing. In verse 35, when it says Jesus wept, it is this deep, emotional, but quiet crying. We don't all cry the same. I'm not talking about the optics of it and what we look like. I mean feeling it. In your own way, in your personality. But you need to let your heart be moved. Connection requires contact. You can't connect with people you don't contact. You can watch the ads on TV and have a little stirring, but it passes when the next commercial comes on. Because you're not in contact, so there's no connection there. And those things that do move us are because we have some connection. I listen entirely differently whenever I hear a news report about something happening in Kenya. Because I got kids and grandkids there now. There's a connection. Contact when we are connected with them, creates a stirring or a feeling in us. There's an old song that says, I'm tired of being stirred and not being changed. I'm tired of being stirred and not being moved by the stirring. 
feel and to make some changes. You see, connection requires contact. Contact creates a stirring, and that motivates movement. Motivated to do something. Third, to start feeling it and to make some changes, we need to pray hard. Go back and get inside that circle and pray for everybody in your circle. For God to move. You can read and study some of the history of times of what we call revival movements throughout the world. The Welsh revival, the great awakening in the United States and some others that took place every single time. It went back to one or a handful of individuals who chose to pray hard with the, about themselves first. And then beyond. Read about the movement that took place in New York City in the early 1900s. Where it started with six men who took their lunch hour to pray together. And it grew to about 10,000 across the city. And it was changed. Pray. Pray hard. Pray deeply. Pray passionately. Pray frequently. See, we need to pray specifically if we're going to pray hard. These generic general prayers, you know, that now I lay me down to sleep. Lord, bless this food. No. Pray specifically. We always joked about our son early on, you know, the kids would take turns praying at the meal. And, oh, man, we knew we needed more time whenever Todd was going to pray. Because of how specific he prayed. As he's praying, he's saying, Lord, bless the knives. Thank you for the spoons. Thank you for the salt and the pepper. And he would look around the table at everything on the table and thank God for that. Now, I was hungry. The food was getting cold. And I'm like, come on. But actually, I think he had it right. Because he was praying specifically. How specific are you praying? Are you praying by name for those you're concerned about? Care for? I keep a list on my phone. Titled prayer list. And it's getting longer and longer. Pray specifically. But realize that listening is a part of praying. We listen. That's why we're urging to be in the word, listening to what God says. But even as we're praying, the impressions from the Holy Spirit. The more you pray, the more you're going to hear. And the more you listen, the more God's going to share with you because you're listening. We need to pray hard. That can't be done in 15 seconds. Praying specifically for a lot of things. 
you know, verse 41 and 42, when Jesus started praying, you know, they took away the stone. He lifted up his eyes, said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. Imagine standing near Jesus and hearing him say, I'm doing this for them. <laughs> I think I would have looked up. An early influencer on my prayer life was a guy named Stephen Manley. He's an evangelist, and he especially was speaking to youth at that time. But what got me was the first time I ever heard him speak, I have no idea what he spoke on, but I remember his prayer. Because I remember how it started. He said, it's time to pray. And he started to pray, and he said, Lord, this is Steve. And I'm at such and such church today. And I'm speaking to this group of teens. And I, and I, but when he said, you know, Lord, this is Steve, I'm like, what? God already knows that. But see, he wanted to make sure there wasn't any mistake. And he just prayed like he was talking to his friend who cared about him. Pray specifically and listen. The better we get at listening, the harder we're going to pray. So if you're looking around, if you're starting to let your heart be moved, if you're beginning and committing to praying and praying hard, I got one last thing for today. Do something. We know a whole lot more than we're doing. If we would begin to do and obey up to our knowledge, the world would be changed. I don't say that as an illustration. I say that literally. We really don't need to learn anymore. We know enough right now to change the world. Now, let me back up and don't cut out that insert that says, Pastor said we don't have to learn anymore. My point is, we need to start doing what we already know. If we're going to look around, and we need to, see the needs. See what's going on. If we're going to let our heart be moved, and it's time. If we're going to pray, and it's past time. Then we need to do something with what we see. We need to do something with what we feel. We need to do something with what we're praying about. Stop asking without acting. Stop asking without taking some action. I have a sense that God gets frustrated with us. At least I know he does with me. Like, Dennis, you've been asking for this for a long time, and you haven't done what I've shown you to do. I remember a friend one time who really needed to lose a lot of weight. I mean, like, multiply a whole bunch of times what I need to lose. And he said, I'm willing to do anything to lose weight except stop eating. I think spiritually a lot of us are that way. Lord, I'm willing to do anything for you to move in me, in my family, in my church, except what you've told me to do. 
It's time to do something. Stop asking without acting. And then do what God directs. Now. That's actually a fill in the blank. It's time. So what should I do? What do you already know? Do that now. In other words, you can fill this in. Take the next right step. And God will show you the next one. But we probably already know it. What are we doing? What are we going to do? What are we feeling? Are we looking and praying? And as God shows you your next step, do it. See, I think too many times we try to get the perfect plan. See, if it's God's plan, it's already perfect. Even when it's rough around the edges. Steve Shogren wrote a book a long time ago called Ready, Fire, Aim. Yeah, it was in that order on purpose. Because he said too many of us say ready, aim, 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 aim. And we aim so long we no longer fire. It's time to feel it. God's already producing that in you. I know it. It's time to act. Make the change on what he's already doing in you. And if together we start to do that, the impact will be enormous. But don't fall into the trap of saying, as soon as they do, I will. Go back to your circle and pray for the one in that circle to feel it and to do it. Lord, thank you for shaking me up this week. I didn't enjoy it, but I sure needed it. Father, I pray that through your word, the movement of your Holy Spirit, you've shaken some people up this morning. May we pray hard for that circle that we're in and then begin to move out. May we feel because we're seeing and aware and Lord, may we depend on you as we do what you've called us to do. Lord, help us this week to take that first step in whatever you're directing. Give us courage to take it. Give me courage to do what I know you want me to do. Lord, I plead for this to be true. Not just for me, but for us. In Jesus' name.